We're continuing our sermon series, Unhealthy. We've been doing this sermon series for seven weeks now. We've explored physical health, emotional health. In the last couple weeks, uh, last week and this week, we've been exploring mental health. And I want to just uh, address something before we jump into this uh, passage, is that what we're not doing here in this sermon series when we talk about mental health, we're not dealing with uh, clinical mental health issues. So there are some mental health issues that require um, invasive treatment, um, such as uh, talk therapy or medicines. Uh, sometimes there are actually chemical issues that go on with mental health. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about clinical mental health. We're talking about more of the general mental health challenges that every single one of us faces, the challenges that we all face day to day in our lives, in our families, in our society that we are all facing together. And today, we're talking about stress. We're talking about stress today. And in this passage, when I read it this first time, there's probably a, a verse that you recognized, and it's this verse. Philippians 4, 6, do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, I'm guessing every single one of us has probably heard or seen this passage somewhere. It might have been shared on Facebook by a family member. Maybe you've shared this on Facebook one time. Maybe you've seen it on a throw pillow or a cross-stitch something decoration on the wall. You've seen this phrase, do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is a very well-known verse. And whenever I see this uh, go across my Facebook feed or I see this on a decoration, it's hard for me not to roll my eyes a little bit. Because of this phrase, do not worry about anything. Do not worry about anything? Like, really? I have bills to pay, you know? I have two little kids that I have to feed. I have a wife who wants to stay home and help develop and grow and teach our kids. And I have to, like, make ends meet. My house is 110 years old. It needs a lot of work to keep it up. You know, there are things that I have to do. I have to fix my cars. And I have to pay for gas. Do not worry about anything? Come on. Really. You can't expect me to buy into this. Maybe you felt the same way. Maybe you've heard someone say this and you think, all right, yeah, whatever. You kind of roll your eyes at it. What we're going to do today is we're going to get to this verse but what we find is that oftentimes when this verse is shared outside of its context, it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. But once we dive into Philippians 4 and see what it's about, we're going to see this makes a lot more sense. Because in our lives, there's a lot of different kinds of stress. It's hard not to worry. You see, we have this what's called chronic stress, which is just this kind of general low simmering stress. This is the bills that need to be paid, the cars that need to be fixed. This is the general stress of raising children or trying to figure out life with a spouse. There's just kind of this general chronic stress that happens in our lives. And then there's sometimes called what's called acute stress. And this is some sort of event that's happened to you, the death of a loved one, a major car accident, a sickness. There's something that happens to you that causes a significant amount of stress in a short time. That's called acute stress. And we all have these, both, both these kinds of stress in our lives. And in the last year and a half, we've had an extra stress, right? We've had COVID stress, just kind of like piled on top of it all, where now not only do we have to still pay the bills and we still get in car accidents or get sick or these kinds of things, now we have COVID that's hanging over our head the last year and a half. 
And we have all the weird politics that go into that, that now we can't talk to our loved ones about politics anymore because it's too vitriolic. We can't talk to our friends about these kinds of things because it's just too stressful. We all have these kinds of stress and they just seem to pile on and on and on. And yet here we are with this command, do not worry. Are you kidding me, right? It seems when we hear this verse that it's done in a vacuum. And we think, God, do you really mean this? There's a lot going on in my life. What we see in this passage in Philippians, if we go back to verse 1, the very first verse of this chapter, we get a little clue into what Paul, the guy who wrote this letter, is talking about when he says, do not worry. This is what it says. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. So we go back to Philippians chapter Four And this Philippians chapter 4 is the closing of this letter. This is the last part of the letter. Paul has written about Jesus and his work. He's written about the Philippians and how Jesus has changed and affected them. How Jesus can continue to change them. And then he begins this closing statement. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm in the Lord in this way. And the way that he's talking about standing firm is the way that he has stood firm. You see, Paul, when he wrote this letter... He had some stress in his life. In fact, he was in jail when he wrote this letter. Now, if I look out in this room right now, we are all here, which means we are not experiencing the acute stress of being in jail right now, are we? Right? None of us are experiencing that right now. And I'm guessing, unless there's something I don't know about one or two of you, that probably none of us have experienced the acute stress of being in prison. Paul is in jail right now, and that's a stressful environment. But not only is he in jail, he's actually, he's in jail for preaching the gospel. He's an innocent man who was doing a good thing, proclaiming that Jesus is Lord, and he was imprisoned because of it. And in Roman prison, you're not taken care of. It's not like our prison where you get three square meals a day, you get a bed. In Roman prison, your loved ones have to take care of you. They have to bring you food. They have to bring you clothes. They have to do all of those things for you. That's a pretty acute kind of stress that he's under right now. And he's saying, stand firm, just as I have st stood firm. Stand firm in this way. Now, we also know something about Paul in some of his other letters is that he had chronic health issues, or it may or may not have been a health issue, but it probably was some sort of chronic health issue. He called it a thorn in his side and he said that he would repeatedly ask God to take away this issue that he had in his body. So Paul is someone who knows chronic stress. He had this chronic issue with his body that he was constantly fighting, and now he's in prison for proclaiming the gospel. Paul knows what it is to be stressed out. That's the context of him writing some of these commands. But it's not just Paul. He actually continues on in verse 2. This is what he says. He says, I urge Euodia and I urge Sintichi to be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, we don't know who Euodia and Sintichi are. Uh, they're these two women that more than likely were either pastors or preachers or some kind of leaders in the church. Paul calls them his co-workers, uh, which probably means that they went out and they proclaimed the gospel uh, the people, they were proclaiming that Jesus is Lord to non-believers or maybe inside the church. And for some reason, Euodia and Sintichi, they were in personal conflict with one another. Something was going on that these two women were butting heads about something. 
And Paul encourages them to be of the same mind in the Lord. So this congregation that he's writing to, there's some conflict going on. There's some interpersonal conflict. And I'll tell you what, there are a few things in our life that trigger stress like people, right? Life would be a whole lot easier if we didn't have to deal with people, right? Because our spouses, our kids, our parents, our in-laws, our coworkers, our bosses, they're the ones who oftentimes are the cause of stress. When Paul's writing this letter, there is stress going on in this church. There are interpersonal issues between these two leaders, these two laborers in the church, these two pastors, and he's encouraging them to be of one mind, to be unified. So now we have this acute stress of being in jail, the chronic stress of his health, this interpersonal stress of these two women, and Paul continues, yes, and I ask you also, so when he wrote this letter, he probably wrote it to the pastor of the Philippian church, and the pastor would read it out loud. So that, that's who he's addressing, whoever it is that specifically that he wrote this letter to. And I ask you also, my loyal companion, to help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. When Paul writes this, it's all in the context of these interpersonal, this web, complex web of relationships. Now, we're going to get to the do not worry part here in a minute, but I want to set the stage that Scripture is not blind to the complexities of our life. God is not blind to how complex and stressful life is for you. He's not blind to those things. He knows those things. And in fact, all of Scripture is written for local churches or local gatherings of, of Christians or Jews, depending on when it was written. And it was all in the context of the people of God being together. And whenever you get together, there's going to be conflict, right? There's going to be these stresses. God is not blind to this. And what I think is so cool here is that as the Holy Spirit has inspired Paul to write this, is that he has included by name three people, Yodia, Sintichi, and Clement. He's also said you, so whoever the pastor is of this church, that this word of the Lord is not in a vacuum. It's not out of the context of real people really experiencing life. Because see, this is the truth about God, is that God is less interested in ideas, in abstract ideas. We really like ideas. We like framing things in good versus evil. We like framing things in the midst of, of politics and culture wars. We like ideas. But God shows us a different way. God shows us that he's actually very personal. And I like this last phrase here, whose names are in the book of life. So in the Bible, there's this theme that gets developed. It's teased in the Old Testament. It's fully developed in Revelation that when God has saved, he has saved us, and those who are going to live for eternity with him in the new heaven and the new earth, their names are written down on a scroll, on a, in a book. And here's the truth, is that God doesn't save the idea of humans. He doesn't save the idea of humanity. He saves you. He saves you by name. 
and your name is written in his book. He does not save the idea of you. He saves you. Your name is in the book of life. Our names are in the book of life. We are called by name to be in Christ. Not the idea of us, but us. Jesus didn't die for the idea of humanity. He died for you. And he died for me. And he died for us by name. For God, everything is personal. Everything is personal. He doesn't love the idea of you. He loves you. He doesn't forgive the idea of you. He forgives you. And he calls you by name to be saved. Isn't that great? He doesn't just know the idea of you, but he knows you by name. And your name is written in the book of life. God is well aware of you and your struggles. And he loves you. And he's working in your life. This is the context when we finally are going to get to do not worry. But there's one more thing that Paul says right before he says do not worry. He says this, let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. I think that's a great phrase. The Lord is near. In the midst of all the stress in the Philippian church, in the midst of all the stress of Paul's own life, the jail, the chronic illness, this interpersonal conflict, he has one thing to declare to them, the Lord is near. And he's near in this stress, in these conflicts. He's near to the readers. Most of us, when we go through hard things, when we go through stressful situations, oftentimes it feels like we're abandoned by God. It feels like we've been forgotten by God. But Paul writes this in the context of stress and pain and suffering. And so we can know that God does not abandon us in suffering. In fact, God draws near to us in suffering. He draws close to us in stress. Paul has this great phrase in one of his other letters where he, he talks about how he asked God to take away whatever illness or whatever's going on in his body, this thorn in his flesh. He asked God to take it away from him three times. And three times God says no. And finally, Jesus says these words to Paul. He says, when you are weak, I am strong. And he teaches Paul in that moment that it's actually in Paul's weakness that Christ is strong. And Christ strengthens Paul. In our stress and in our suffering, this is when God draws near. God is not the author of suffering. In fact, he suffers alongside of us. He cries when we cry. He comforts us when we need comfort. He doesn't, he doesn't author our suffering, but he does use our suffering. And he draws close to us in our suffering. It's in these moments that the Lord is very, very near to us. It's in these moments that he is drawing closest to us. This is the context now. When we get to this phrase, do not worry about anything. You see, I don't want to roll my eyes anymore, right? I now understand that I don't have to worry. Why? Because the Lord knows my suffering. He knows my stress. And I know that he is near to me in this moment. Do not worry about anything, but what are we called to do in everything by prayer 
and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So when we go through stress, the call is lean into God. When we feel the suffering, when we feel the pressure, we draw close to God because we know he is close to us. Really, prayer is the central act of being human because being human is kind of stressful. We're these like weak like meat bags that like are going to die someday and we're all like scared and we're worried about all these little things going on in our lives. It's kind of difficult to be human. There's a lot going on in our lives. And prayer is this drawing close to God when we know that he is drawing close to us. So in our suffering, we pray, knowing that he's near and knowing that he hears us. We connect with God knowing that he has come close to us. And there's another thing that Paul says that I really, really like. This is uh, kind of his last uh, command to the Philippians here. He says, finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So in the midst of our stress and suffering, in the midst of us having these hard things, in the midst of praying to God and, and, and wrestling with not worrying about the world around us, but instead connecting with God, finally we are called to pay attention because the Lord is near in our suffering. He's there. We're just too weak or blind to see him. And so Paul gives this encouragement. Whatever is true, honorable, and this whole list of good things, look for those things. And I think here it's really interesting that Paul doesn't say only focus on these very clear cut, we know what God has done for us, we know that he loves us. He says, no, no, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, think about those things, which means in our situation, whatever situation we're in, and whoever we're dealing with, we might find some true things, some honorable things, some just things. And especially if we're dealing with somebody we don't like or someone who causes us stress. I think what we're called to do here is we're called to find the ways that God has worked in that person and is pulling out good things in that person. We're called to see God and how God is working in that other person who's causing us stress. And whatever is true or honorable or just or this whole list of good things, whatever it is that God is doing in that person, I think that's what we need to focus on in that other person. I did a wedding yesterday here at the church and it was great. It was a great couple. And I love doing weddings and I love going through the premarital counseling process. And one thing that I really encourage the couples that I work with to do is in their marriages, as they go day by day, to remember the reasons why they fell in love with their spouse. Remember the reasons why they love and fell in love with their spouses originally. Because after a couple years of marriage, the reasons that you fell in love with your spouse are usually the things that annoy you about your spouse, right? Once you're in marriage for a couple years, sometimes you get a little annoyed with your spouse. But oftentimes those things that bother us are the very things that we loved about them early on. And part of the challenge of marriage is cultivating just this. Seeing what is true. Seeing what is lovely, seeing what is honorable in your spouse. And if you cultivate that, if you focus on that every day, you find that you like them a lot more. You're less annoyed by them as you go day by day. And I think that's exactly what Paul is saying here. In the midst of your interpersonal conflict, in the midst of your 
illness, your stress, whatever's going on, look, pay attention because God is near. He's working in that situation. He's working in that person and we can see what God is doing. We can see the truth and the honorableness and the excellence and what's commendable in that person, in that situation. And this begins to change how we think about the world. Because I'm sure that you have known people in your life that have gone through great suffering, but they went through it with such grace and such joy. And there are people like that that I want to be like. I want to be that kind of person, which God, you know, God willing, if I live to be 105, I want to be like Geneva Dussler, right? Maybe many of you know, knew Geneva. She uh, died last year. She was well, our oldest member, right? But she aged with such grace and she was so joyful. And I want to be that. And this is what we have to do in order to do that. We find God. We find what he's doing in our stress and in our situations and in our suffering because the Lord is near. In the midst of our stress, God has not abandoned us. In fact, God is drawing very near to us in our stress. He's drawing very near to us in our suffering. I think the call this morning, the call to do not worry has to do with how we are thinking about and responding to our suffering. Are we choosing to see God working? Or are we focusing on how miserable we are? If we cultivate cultivate these glasses where we can see God at work in everything that we do, I think it happens. I think we worry less. We can have more joy, more empathy, more patience, and more peace in our life. Because the Lord is near to us.